You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning verse number 12, the Bible says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day that we could be together with your people and to open your word and to worship you and to uh, study. And I pray that we would study to show ourselves approved. May we uh, receive the word of God. May we take it. May we apply it to our lives. May we live it this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'll switch to this microphone and I apologize. I think we had some issues with the sound at the beginning. Brother Nathan, we're good on that. And those of you that are uh, watching on the live stream, I apologize for that. I think we may be able to get that first part, I think, maybe in, in post that at a later time. I want you to get to hear the, uh, the choir and that special. And uh, I certainly want you to get to hear the comments about the beard contest for sure. Uh, no, but I do want you to hear the announcements about the engagement and the new members and new missionaries. And that uh, has been a blessing. First Thessalonians 5, if you missed this morning, I would encourage you to go back and listen. I uh, preached this morning really the first part of this chapter. And uh, we saw this morning the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming. And uh, whether we're ready or not, he's coming. But I want to be ready for his coming. We saw the consequences. We saw the comfort. And uh, I spent some time this morning talking about that and illustrating that. But I hope this week, I hope you'll identify some people that you can encourage. Uh, look for people that you can help this week. I promise you, there is no shortage out there. There are people everywhere. Uh, and, and you say, oh, it looks like they're fine. You know, it's amazing how all of us can put on a good front sometimes. But behind those faces, there are broken hearts. And there are people that need to know the love of Christ. They need to know there's hope. Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, uh, suicide uh, and, and all the things that people do uh, because of uh, depression and brokenness, I want to tell you, there is hope. Uh, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in the Word of God. And uh, uh, as long as God is in the equation, there is hope. Don't give up. And uh, look for somebody that you can encourage uh, this week. And then we talked about our confidence. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I'm glad that I'm not counting on myself to take care of my salvation. I'm counting on the Lord. And I'm not counting on myself to get through this week. I'm counting on the Lord to help me get through this week, and he can and he will. And then we saw the completion. Uh, the completion is that, uh, that, that God is um, able to sanctify us wholly. We saw spirit, soul, body to preserve us uh, blameless unto the coming of the Lord. 
And tonight I want to notice for a few minutes, I want you to see the charge. It's not in verse 27, but really it's all throughout this chapter. But verse 27, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Now, this was one of the first letters that Paul wrote, and so maybe he just wanted to make sure they understood how important this was to read. Maybe Paul was afraid that, like us, maybe he was afraid that they would just read certain parts. Maybe he was afraid they'd just kind of uh, uh, skip to the end and try to get the conclusion. But I want to tell you, this book right here, this is not just a letter from a preacher to a church, but this is a letter from God to his people. And there's a charge here. There is something that we need to have so that we can be ready for the coming of the Lord. We see in verse number 12, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I see a charge here in these verses. The, the charge is given that as, as God's people, we are to know them, the Bible says, who labor among you. That word know, it means to recognize. Now, I could do this anyway, but especially I can do this because you spent the month of October recognizing me and my wife and recognizing our assistant pastors and their wives. And, and our church does not just do that once a month. Our church does that all the time. And I thank God for it. But by the way, that's a Bible command. It's a Bible command to, to give recognition and to give honor to those who are serving God on your behalf and to help and encourage you. The Bible says that they are to recognize uh, those that are over you in the Lord. And those who admonish you, that's not always fun, but the word admonish, it means to caution, to warn, to gently reprove. And can I tell you, that's the job of a pastor. And, and there's times where you may get your toes stepped on. There's times where you may not like it, but if it's from the Bible, then we need it. Amen? We've got to have it. And, and we need pastors, and we need, we've got assistant pastors, and Sunday school teachers, and Christian school teachers, and junior church teachers, and we've got people that are in those positions we ought to love, and we ought to honor and recognize them. But then it goes on to say in verse number uh, 14, excuse me, verse 13, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. We have a responsibility to love those people. I have in my life, I've had several pastors. Uh, my dad was my pastor. Uh, pastor Swanson uh, was my pastor, Rockford, Illinois. And then Pastor Treber was my pastor in Santa Clara, California. I did my very best, and I still do my very best to this day. One of those pastors is still living. The other two are with the Lord. But I do my best to express and to show my love and my appreciation for them. Uh, please don't forget the people that God has used in your life. Now, you do it for me, but if you've got a pastor uh, or, or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher that, that invested in your life, be thankful for them, love them, appreciate them, and thank God for them. Be thankful for the people that God has placed in your life. It goes on to say that we should uh, be at peace among yourselves, uh, meaning don't get involved in silly arguments. You know, Satan would love to destroy the unity of this church. And you know how it starts many times? It's not with doctrine. 
It's not with some major earth-shattering you know, issue. It's something little. Uh, it's something petty. Uh, I always use this example. And I remember in years ago, I remember in Geneseo, I remember my dad said this. He said, I'm telling you, he said, there is no reason in the world why a church ought to split over the color of the carpet. And after the service, there was somebody there who came and said, well, pastor, actually, I was in a church. <laughs> and that's exactly why they had a church split over the color of the carpet. Now, friend, I'm not kidding. But I'm telling you, it can be something so little. If you're not careful, that old devil can get in your heart and in your mind and in your life, and he can get you out of church, and he can mess up your family, and he can destroy your future over something that is so, so silly. Be at peace, the Bible says, among yourselves. Verse 14, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Of those who are unruly, that is uh, someone who is insubordinate. Comfort the feeble-minded. Those are the people who are faint-hearted. Support the weak. Those who do not have strength, they need some help. And be patient toward all men. Verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Verse 16, the Bible says, rejoice evermore. Now here we, we have these charges, and a few of them are just a few words, uh, just short little verses, but it says rejoice evermore. If we're going to be ready for the coming of the Lord, like we said this morning, if we're going to be ready for Jesus to come back, we cannot be a depressed, discouraged, defeated group of people. We have no reason to be discouraged. We have no reason to be depressed because we're on the winning side. We know that Jesus Christ is coming. We know that we are more than conquerors. We know how the story ends. And we should not be down in the dumps, but the Bible says rejoice evermore. Uh, check it out this week. Uh, evaluate your life. Evaluate your, your text messages. Evaluate your conversations. Evaluate your attitude. Evaluate your interactions and ask yourself, am I a Christian who rejoices? Am I a Christian who is a happy camper? I tell you, we need the joy of the Lord. We need to have people that will rejoice. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here's another charge, verse 17. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. You're not ready for the coming of the Lord. And I'm not ready for the coming of the Lord if I've stopped praying or if you've stopped praying. We must be a people of prayer. We must be people that every day we spend time in prayer. You say, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have the time. Well, then you're too busy. And I'm too busy if we don't have time to pray. It's amazing how we have time for the things that we want to do. But may God help us to pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. And if you don't pray, I'll guarantee you, you will faint. You say, oh, I'm doing good. I haven't prayed, and I haven't really had a prayer life for a while, and look at me. I'm sailing along. You better watch out, because there is a rough road coming. There's a storm coming, and you and I will not have the strength to withstand if we quit praying. Pray without ceasing. Verse number 18, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What a powerful verse. You know, we, we sometimes, we, we, we really, um, we make it too complicated. We try to figure out what is the will of God for my life? What does God want me to do? 
Where does God want me to go? I think about for our young people. Uh, they're talking about uh, college and talking about uh, uh, what we're doing. I think about uh, Zach and Michaela. And, and that was a big decision, the will of God. That's what the two of you want. And I praise God that I believe that's what the two of you are in. You're in the will of God. But can I tell you, there are daily choices that we make that help us to stay in the will of God. And one of those choices is to say, I'm going to give thanks in everything. Now, I want to explain this, and I think we understand this, and I think once I explain it, I think it'll really make more sense, or maybe it'll be a reminder for us. But the Bible does not say, for everything, give thanks. Let's look at verse number 18. It does not say, for everything, give thanks, but it says, in everything, give thanks. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians 5, and would you turn back with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we find in verse number 28, the Bible says, and we know, and you probably can quote it, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. The Bible does not say that all things are good, right? But it says all things work together for good. Notice with me in Romans chapter 8. And look at verse number 37. The Bible says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, what are all these things? They're found in verse 35. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. There are seven in that list. And the Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So, when we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when it says, in everything give thanks, here's what the Bible is teaching. Here's what the Bible is saying. When I was, I'll give you an illustration. I hope this will make sense. When I was in high school, I think I was about ninth grade, um, I went with a group from our church in Rockford, Illinois. We went to the state of Iowa for a couple weeks for uh, a couple weeks of work. We were detasseling corn. I don't even know if they do much of that around here, detasseling. It's just to make the, the hybrids. I've told you the detasseling stories and all that before. But we went to Iowa, and uh, we, we, we were just a group of us from Berean, from the, the church and the school, and we went, and it was amazing. I mean, we worked for about two, three weeks, and we got a huge paycheck, you know? I mean, that was, you say, why did you go? I just told you, for the paycheck, you know? Uh, I remember, and this is another, another story for another day, Growing up, I did not like Iowa. I didn't like Iowa because of the cornfields. I had bad memories. Uh, I didn't like the gravel roads. Uh, I didn't even care for the referees in Iowa. We'd go across the river from Illinois and play, and we thought, what are these people doing over here? I did not like Iowa until I met my wife. Can I tell you, I love Iowa now, and uh, I, I feel differently about Iowa. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? But we were detasseling corn, and we were in the field, and these were some big fields. Some of the rows were a quarter mile. Some of the rows were half a mile. You'd go down, and then you'd come back the other side. And One particular morning, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and we had an early start. But something happened that day. It was mid-morning, and it was pitch black. There was a tornado. There was a storm like I've never seen before in my life rolling in. 
Well, they had buses that they would transport us on, and we were down at one end of the field, and they had to take the bus to where we were, and we had to try to get on that bus and try to get out of there, which I'm glad we got out uh, before that tornado hit us. And you say, did you survive? Yes, I'm here. I survived. We're okay. But there was, at the end of that field, there was a barbed wire fence, and they're trying to get us through this barbed wire uh, fence, and it's down this ditch. We had to slide down and get on the bus. And, you know, of course, everything seems so dramatic when you're like eighth and ninth grade, you know. And uh, we're, we're going through, and I'm going through that barbed wire fence, and, oh, it caught my arm. And uh, I've got a scar to this day right there. But, you know, at the time, boy, that seemed like a big deal. You know, it hurt. Uh, if you've ever been just, just cut, just something sharp catches your skin and just tears it up. It's not fun. It just, it hurts, bothers you, and it's bloody and all that. So here's what I'm saying. When I was in ninth grade, that was a big deal, okay? Uh, now, how many of you know that's not a big deal anymore, right? You know, some of you, you've been through a whole lot worse with surgeries and everything else. But when I was in ninth grade, that was a big deal. So here's what the Bible says. Does it say for everything give thanks? No, it doesn't say for everything. Uh, I didn't have to stop and say, Lord, thank you for that cut. I sure needed that one. Lord, thank you for that blood. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that pain. I love pain. I'm so thankful you gave me that pain. I needed that pain. Lord, thank you for that barbed wire. I don't know who put that barbed wire there, but I, no, 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 that, that's silly. And I think we know that. But you know, even in the midst of that, I could still be thankful, number one, that we got out of that field. I could be thankful that it wasn't worse. I can be thankful that the tornado did not hit us. I can be thankful that, you know, I lived to tell the story, you know. Uh, I could be thankful in that time that, um, that, 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 that although there was a scar, I could be thankful I still had an arm, right? I could be thankful that I still had a place to sleep and I still had food to eat and I still had a paycheck and the list could go on and on. Here's what I'm saying. You're going through something today that's a whole lot worse than a barbed wire fence catching your arm. But as you're going through whatever that is in your life today, I want to say you can still give thanks because God's still been good. God's still done a whole lot. And if it were not for God's goodness and God's grace, we wouldn't be here. At the end of the day, no matter how bad it gets down here, you can still say, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm going to heaven. Thank God I'm a child of the king. And so we give God thanks in everything. There's never a time, there's never a season, there's never a stage in life where we can stop giving God thanks because God's blessings just keep on coming. And God is so good. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse number 19, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. Uh, that word quench, it means to extinguish. Uh, we've got fire extinguishers around this building and if there were a fire, we would want you to use that fire extinguisher. That's a good time to use it, right? But, but don't, don't put out the fire in a young Christian. Don't put out the fire in a teenager that comes back from teen camp or comes back from a youth conference and they're excited about serving God. Don't be the one to pour cold water and say, oh, you'll get over it. I remember when I got excited about things like that too. Friend, may God help us not to extinguish the fire. We don't need to put out fires in the church. We need to get some fires going. We've got a lot of Christians that have become very comfortable and very dead and very dry, but we need some Christians that will get fired up for the Lord and fired up for the things of God. Quench not the spirit. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. This is so good right here. 
You know, prophesying is a fancy word that means preaching. And as Christians, may we never despise the preaching of the word of God. Now, I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd and you're here. I'm talking to many folks who are watching online. You could be watching television or you could be uh, listening on the radio or something else, but you chose to listen to preaching. And I thank God for that. But may God help us to never despise or, 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 or think lightly of preaching. We need the preaching. We need the preaching. It's the power of God and the salvation. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. I want to ask you tonight, do you place a high value on the preaching of the word of God? If you do, one is you'll be present for preaching. And I commend you for being present. You say, oh, pastor, we've got church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And guess what? In 2024, we're going to have revival services and we're going to have missions conference and we're going to have special times. You say, why? Because I don't think that we're in a position to say we need less preaching. I think we're all in a position to say we need more. We need more of God. We need more of the word of God. We need more of the power of God. And may God help us to be present for preaching. But how about this? How many times have you been present for preaching, but you weren't really present for preaching? How many times have you been there, but you really weren't there, right? Can I tell you, when we do sit under the preaching, may God help us to be focused. May God help us to listen. May God help us to be receptive. I'll be honest with you, I've sat in some services, and when the service got all done, I was thinking, uh-oh, I missed something. What was that all about? And I'll tell you where it's really scary is when the invitation time comes and people respond, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, I missed something. I wonder what God had for me in this service, but I was, I would, my mind was a million miles away. I was thinking about what's going on this week or what's going on later. But friend, I want to be focused. I want to be receptive. I want God to speak to me. Sometimes the longer we go to church, we're good at, we're good at uh, um, identifying who needs the preaching. Preachers preaching about not, not cheating during beard contests, and you think, that's Brother Dan. I know he needs that message. And the, the preacher's preaching about whatever else. He, oh, that's oh, Brother so-and-so. I hope he's listening. And you start, oh, he's not even here. Oh, I need to let him know he needs to listen. No, no, no. No, God's got something for you. And God's got something for me. May we be receptive and then may we be changed. I like what one preacher said. He said, I've heard a lot of messages. And he said, and I don't remember every message. He said this, but I also, I had lunch three weeks ago on Tuesday. And I don't remember what I had for lunch that day, but I know this, I needed that. And that's helped me to get where I am. And that's kept me going. And the preaching of the word of God, it works in our heart and it helps us and it keeps us going on the right path that God has for us. Despise not prophesyings. Verse number 21, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. That word prove, it means to test. It means to examine, to literally to scrutinize something like a jeweler would scrutinize a piece of jewelry. If I took this ring in to, to sell this ring, and I'm not planning to do this, this is my wedding ring, and this is worth a whole lot more to me uh, than uh, would be worth to anybody else. But if I were to take this ring in and say, I'd like to sell this, I promise you that jeweler would not glance at it from a distance and say, well, here's your money. I promise you they would look at it closely. They would examine it to find out what it really is. And friend, the Bible says we need to examine our lives. We need to prove all things. We need to make sure that what we're talking about is Christ honoring. 
We need to make sure the friends we have are the kind of friends that are, are drawing us closer to God rather than pulling us away. We need to make sure the music that we listen to and the things that we watch and the places we go and the things that we do are things that bring honor and glory to Christ. Prove that which is good. Prove that all things and hold fast to that which is good. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Boy, that's a great reminder for all of us, is it not? I don't, I don't want to do something that is evil. And all God's people ought to be in agreement with that. We don't want to do anything that's evil. But I don't even want to do something that looks like it's evil. I don't want to go places that are questionable. I don't want to talk about things that are questionable. I don't want to have a reputation where people say, what in the world is he doing? Can I tell you this? God's people, we need to get back to old-fashioned holiness we need to get back to old-fashioned separation. We need to get back to, hey, how can I identify with Christ rather than how can I fit in with the world? May God help us to abstain from all appearance of evil. When I was a boy, our family, we had the policy, and I think it was a good policy. I'm glad we had it. We had a policy that we didn't go to the movie theater. And I remember some of my friends saying, well, why don't you go to the movie theater? There's good movies that play at the movie theater. And I would say there's probably not a whole lot of good ones, but maybe there's something good. Maybe you could find something that's okay. But I remember for my family, it was, that was an appearance of evil. And I'd say this, if you have that for your family, I think that's a great, great policy to have. But I'll tell you this, I think now we live in a day where you better be careful what you stream into your home. I think we live in a day where you better be careful what you bring in to your living room because, yes, we want to abstain from appearance of evil, but we also want to stay away from the evil itself. And may God help us. Verse 25, here's a charge. Brethren, pray for us. I'm thankful for people that pray for me. And I want to be faithful to pray for you. And I want to be faithful to pray for my friends. I want to be faithful to pray for those who are sick and those that need the touch of God. Brethren, Pray for us. And then verse 26 is an interesting verse. The Bible says, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Now, first of all, I have to say that that was a custom during the Roman Empire that they would greet each other with a kiss on the cheek. Now, I'm glad that's not our custom today. Hallelujah. It's also interesting that during Bible times, during the, the writings of Paul, is that that actually became a problem because they, in, in the churches, they were kissing. Uh, the men were, would, would, would greet the men with a kiss. The women would kiss the women, greet the women with a kiss. And then got to be the, where the men were greeting the women with a kiss and vice versa. And, and the people that were not saved, the people that were, were, were not Christians, they were looking at that saying, how does that work? How can you be uh, pure and how can you be right when you're doing those things? And so that had to be addressed. But here's what this verse is saying right here. Everybody was supposed to be treated with kindness and respect. It says in verse number 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, obviously, we don't go around kissing everybody today. Um, although there's one I kiss, it's my wife and I enjoy that. And I'll give my girls a kiss on the cheek. And even Micah, he's not too big where I can't give him a kiss on the cheek. But I tell you what we do, we'll give somebody a handshake, right? That's a good greeting. Give somebody knuckles. We'll, 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 we'll speak to somebody. We'll say hello. We'll say, how are you doing? We'll, we'll talk to people. 
We ought to be kind. We ought to be respectful. But notice what it says in verse 26. Greet all the brethren. You know, if we're not careful, we'll be kind to those who are kind to us. And that's it. Can I tell you, that's not Christianity. Christianity is not, if you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Jesus said, that's what the world does. You're not getting the trophy. You're not getting the plaque because you were kind to somebody that was kind to you. Duh, everybody does that. But when you and I can be kind to people who are unkind to us, when we can be kind to people who have nothing to offer in return, here's another thing. Sometimes our kindness is very selective. It is, hmm, I wonder who can help me out. I might need to go talk to that person. I might need to be buddies with that guy. Hmm, I need a Christmas tree. I wonder who's, ah, Brother Curry's got a Christmas tree. He's got 36 Christmas trees. I might need to be nice to him. I might need to stop by and have a little extra chat with him. Friend, that's not the way God calls us to live. We're to treat everyone with kindness. I say it so often, but, and, and, and it's always like this, but when people come and visit this church, I feel like the overwhelming, resounding theme is that they were treated with kindness. And that's the way it ought to be. And may God help us not to be a respecter of persons. And I like this, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Now again, we're not going around kissing people. But when you are greeting people, let's be holy. Uh, let's be righteous. Let's have the right motives. Let's have the right intentions. Let's look for opportunities that we can encourage somebody and look for ways that we can help them rather than how they can help us. You know, that kind of reminds me of somebody I've read about in the Bible. The Bible says something about somebody that, that came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. Jesus came not so everybody could serve him, Although we all should serve him, he deserves our service. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But if Jesus Christ could come, not to be served, but to serve. I think this week, I think we could go out and help some people. I think we could help encourage some people. I think we could be kind to some people. I don't want to just be kind at church. I don't want to just be kind when I'm at work. I want to be kind at home. I want to be kind to my friends. I want to be kind to my family. I want to be kind to strangers. And maybe it's a good time to examine our lives and say, are we showing the love of Christ 24-7? Or are we just putting it on on Sundays? And Christianity is not a Sunday-only thing. Christianity is 24-7. May God help us to follow the charge and the charges that are given to us in First Thessalonians 5. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.